Welcome to the Static Zone Podcast, where we discuss everything you watched back when TVs had a static snow cover channel before you popped in your VHS or switched over to Channel 3. I am your master of the game, Scotty Moe, and with me is our very own gold-plated Xbox. It's Corky, a.k.a. Tornado Jones. Bow wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> bow wow, wow, wow. Corky bow, wow. is the name of a dog. Uh, I was hoping that Corey didn't yeah. catch that before we started, but he did. Um, so I'm smart. As you might have guessed, we're talking about not for resale today. A video game store <laughs> documentary. That's the ongoing joke that I say something that's barely relevant or don't even talk about the movie or topic yet. And I just say, as you, as, yep, <laughs> you guessed it. Um, no, so this, uh, uh, finishing out the, yeah, finishing out the month of, inspirational movies or something uh passionate topics we'll call it um i don't remember what Corey said last time so we watched chef uh because Corey is a chef um this time we actually i have a disclaimer because you know uh or for myself anyway because music and games are both you know they go uh, hand in hand with uh, inspirations Definitely. from me but i wanted to clarify yeah. before we do get into this to kind of because you also said, I don't even know if you said at the beginning your disclaimer of being a chef. I don't remember really. But um, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll say that not for resale. It's a documentary about retro game stores mainly. Um, but this is a comfort movie for me. Comfort food movie, whatever. Um, but I, I did mention last yeah. episode because Corey was expecting me to pick a music thing. And I said that you I know, generalize my friends. So. <laughs> yep, indeed. I am that archetype of music and uh, um, I don't know 90s. what else. Yep, that's me. <laughs> 90s ska. Uh, that's all I am. So but uh, games and music are important things to me. But if you want a movie that actually, you know, encapsulates the lifespan of a band or how they get going or things like that. Find your favorite band's first DVD they released because it'll be like maybe shitty but old and like, yeah. you know, maybe them going into... I think you did say that on the last the, episode. Yeah, I did. But, you know, since this is um, the one I chose this week, I just wanted to clarify again. Uh, but that it uh, uh, doesn't have to be, you know, a professionally made thing. Um, and if you can't, if they don't, if maybe your band of choice doesn't have a DVD, uh, you could always, you know... It's hard to recommend a music-based movie that I I haven't seen any out there that really show, you know, factually how things work. Um, but I would always recommend, you know, for a fun music-based film, uh, That Thing You Do isn't too bad. Uh, oh, yeah. I recently watched that last year, and I didn't think I was going to like it, but then I really liked it, so. Yeah. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is amazing, um, not just because Queen is amazing and because, uh, what's his name? Rami, Rami Malik, Rami Malik, something, yeah. Rami Malik, Rami yes. Malik, mm-hmm. Uh, is really great in that. Um, 
But it's a romanticized version yeah, of the story, are, but it's yeah, not bad. Both of those are. And if you like Tom Hanks for the other one, you know, fan of the Beatles or the Monkees, maybe go with that thing you do. But also, but if you want one poking fun at basically the early 2000s and MTV, then find the live action Joe Seen the Pussycats movie, uh, which maybe someday you have a different bring on history this. with that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know that my history is too different with some people about it, but, um, you know, uh, oh, anyway, you and your fine. Never. Yeah. 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 Let's move on. <laughs> oh God. You, you're, you're, yeah. Don't box yourself in. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> um, all that in mind though, we are talking about a video game movie and, you know, Corey mentioned, or he picked chef. He's, I was about to say, trying to be a chef. You are a chef, but you know, you want to do that for a living. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I, have come close to opening a game store in the past. I don't think Corey knows that. I haven't. I don't really publicize that really because there's not much to the story. Um, I'll get into it in a second here, but uh, I did spend around ten years, eight solid years, and then kind of on and off part time um, in game retail. Uh, I peaked at a assistant store manager position, but anyone who has had that role can tell you that you are basically the store manager, but not on salary. Um, and I loved parts of it. I did genuinely enjoy parts of it, but also I was in my touring rock band for the same span of time that I was working in retail. So that very much balanced it. I do not think I could do just retail and not go insane. Um, because drums is a great workout and stress reliever, but, uh, but yeah, to beat on shit. So (laughs) it's definitely, um, and, uh, but no, I loved parts of working, at uh, it was GameStop. I can say that. I don't think it even matters anymore. But uh, I love parts of it. But I will never work in retail again unless somehow in a perfect world I could like open a retro store. And this documentary really shows why. But it's not. I said to people before well, I could work in GameStop forever if the pay was better, the hours were more manageable, and if I only had to deal with the regulars. And not even deal with the regulars, but interact with the regulars. <laughs> Well, so. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I actually worked at a mom and pop video game store right out of high school. Mm. And I worked there for about I two, three years, and uh, it was really fun. Like we we fixed systems. We granted a GameStop came in, like finally showed up, and then the it went under, boom, unfortunately. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, basically. Uh, but we we did video games and movies, so we mm-hmm. took in move uh, DVDs and all that stuff. So it was really fun. Uh, I picked up a lot of good stuff there. I picked up a copy of Marvel's Capcom Two on Xbox uh, when I worked oh, yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I don't think I I don't think oh, I gee. have it anymore. I think I had to sell it because of money. But yeah, I've worked there, so I I do very much kind of like fee like I liked working at the mom and pop. It was probably the best job I ever had. So. Yeah, those can be fun. It's it's all the crew that you're with, but but you know, when you're not having to make numbers and all that shit, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh and we I've I've on the Mega Visions show on the main podcast and probably on the side show, I know that Sketchcraft and I have talked about it a lot about working in retail cuz he's done his fair share and yeah. <clears throat> and I was in GameStop for so long um that we we've talked about like how my favorite moments in retail or in like GameStop and stuff was doing the midnight launches, which I don't think even exist in the slightest bit anymore. Um, I did them at Hastings, but that was about it. Yeah. Halo kicked those off, but they were, you know, people have tried to make fun of them and they'll like, or they, I, I, I've had to defend them before, not angrily, but I've just literally said, I mean, it's tailgating for the big game. It's just a video game. Have you been the one? Sports type like... fuckers. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, one of the best ones I did, I totally, I fucking talked my manager into letting my band play in the store for Call of Duty. <laughs> you piece of shit. And we had like, <laughs> we had like, uh, we had monster energy there. We had, um, with what would be the equivalent of booth babes pretty much, uh, like handing those out and also granola bars. Um, which I guess like if you're yeah. going to, if you're going to eat a snack while gaming, granola bars is one of the better ones. And, you know, I mean, yeah, there's no Cheeto dust on the controllers, so <laughs> and it's way healthier. Um, but yeah. uh, but no, I did. And then um, I have roomed with a bunch of different GameStop employees, you know, because we all are friends. I'm still really good friends with with a good bit of them. Um, but the uh, me almost opening a store was uh, a friend and I, we were talking about opening a store and doing all this and blah, 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 to the point that we asked a chain that come, uh, it's a chain that does music, movies, and games, um, which I don't, eh, we won't, I won't name them, but um, not a huge fan of them because I know people that have worked there and they really have no fucking idea what they're doing. Like we're talking hop on eBay. I know the one you're talking they, about. Yeah, probably. But so they uh, surveyed the area where we lived to see if it was, you know, financially sound to do it. And they basically said, no, there's not really any. We were also near an outlet mall, uh, like a, yeah. uh, an outdoor uh, or a strip mall thing, which probably would have taken the business anyway. But so in this town, which I, I honestly disagree with because it's also a college town, I think it could have done maybe not their numbers, but I think a store could work there. It could have um, been liv livable numbers. Yeah, yeah. Keep the lights on, maybe. So I thought that would have been cool. Uh, that would have been fun, but that that went the wayside and whatever it is what it is. Um, so anyway, as we continue... <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk about this movie, and things we talk about in this will relate back to more things that I'll probably bring up in terms of working at uh, GameStop and other places, but... Um, yeah, no, I always enjoyed the midnight launches because the last one I remember, like to give people an idea of why I enjoyed them was because I put way more into them than probably should have. We were given a quote unquote budget. I won't even get into that. But one of the more fun ones we did was with Assassin's Creed, where we hid feathers throughout the parking lot. We had to weight them down so they didn't just blow away in the night. Um, right. But uh, and in, in the Assassin's Creed games, I've played like two hours of the first one but someone told yeah. me that you have to collect feathers in the games and i'm like all right we can do that let's do a scavenger hunt and then people were winning like different things of merch and whatever else That's and cool. coupons and things like that so but it, yeah it was a lot of fun to the point that like we had to tell people like stop looking outside while we hide them again you guys are finding them too fast we only have five feathers <laughs> <laughs> you know um everyone turn your head <laughs> yeah so it's it's fun those are fun um anyway We'll talk about uh, Not For Resale, the 2019 documentary that's available on Blu-ray, Amazon Prime. Um, I think we both own the Blu-ray now. Uh, it's a fun little cover. Yeah, over. Uh, yeah. I don't think the, the coloring, like, they, I think, in my opinion, they should have done something besides a white background on the front, but it's just a great stack of games, you know. It accentuates uh, the video games, so. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I took so, one semester of graphic design, so. <laughs> all right. Uh, I just realized there's no Saturn game on the front here. Disappointing, but that doesn't matter considering what's in this. I was so, about to say, you get your Saturn fill when you watch this. So <laughs> Yeah, all right, let's run down the list here. So directed by Kevin J. James. No, not Paul Blart. Not King of Queens, Kevin James. Kevin J. James is the director. Mm -hmm. uh, produced by Pat Contry, a.k.a. The Pat, uh, the, Pat the NES Punk. Um, score was by Neil Sisiegra. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Some might know him cool. as Lemon Demon. 
Uh, also, he is the creator of the Harry Potter Puppet Pals. Uh, he's a YouTuber, musician, American oh. Canadian. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what, what was that, that one? Uh, Lemon Demon. I think arguably their most popular thing uh, was the uh, Ultimate Showdown. Was that it? Yeah, then, the yeah. yeah, when it's just like Batman showed up and fought Godzilla and like all that other mm -hmm. stuff. So that's my rendition of the of the songs. So. <laughs> Chuck Norris, Fred Rogers. Um, yep. So, yeah, but this documentary overall involves a bunch of people in and around the game industry, uh, including Dave Haywood, which is the CEO of Psionics, who made Rocket League. Uh, yep. Andrea, uh, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, Rini or Renee. Um, yeah. She is, uh, I, I actually knew her from GameStop TV, but she's just a personality, like a kind of does host segments was. and stuff. And um, she's been on, gotcha. she's done like EA uh, Play before uh, different Like a redhead shows. question mark? <laughs> well, I don't know why I put the question mark, but yeah, she's a redhead. And I, I what probably makes her stand out amongst other uh, journalistic type people in games. Right. Um, right. Frank Cafaldi, he's the founder of the video game History Foundation. Uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny, former editor in IGN. Um, James Rolfe, also uh, aka Angry Video Game Nerd with Cinemasker and everything. Kelsey Lewin, mm -hmm. who is also with the video game. She's a video game historian now, so she's par part of the video game history foundation. Um, but she's gotcha. the owner of Pink Gorilla Games, the uh, retro stores, or it, still kind of upset everything. that I wasn't still upset I wasn't able to go there when I was in Seattle. So should have should have said hi. And well, now you can bring your copy of Not for Resale and have her sign it. I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, but yeah, Pink Gorilla Games. Uh, she's I I knew of her before this only through Metal Jesus YouTube videos. Honestly, yeah, that's how I knew of um, her too. Yeah. But uh, and then Blake J. Harris also shows up in this. He's the author of Console yeah. Wars and the few uh, shit. What's the VR book called? Whatever the one is he wrote after that. I can't remember. What Ready it's Player One. Nope. That's a completely <laughs> different person. That's a VR <laughs> book. Shut up. <laughs> it's a totally different person, though. Uh, and then uh, also credited in here, David Gibson, who is the preservationist in the Library of Con Congress for video games. Which is really sad when, like, we'll get into it, but he's just like, yeah, we don't get as many as you think. So. Yeah, well, and they're only gradually become. I'm sure it's the least respected fucking portion of the Library of Congress, but fuck them. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll bounce around with this, uh, but mm. it it's not, I want to mention before we go away from it that it's not just retro stores because it does talk about digital distribution and, like, how games thrive through that and then how it's like a badge of honor to eventually get a physical release but also retro stores are gonna hopefully be around even though there's a digital marketplace um and all that good stuff but they kind of they jump around with that and the game mm -hmm. museum and the foundation you know limited run games is there pax east is in here which i forgot about until it showed up in here and then i was like oh i'm gonna be there next month that's cool um, yeah so but yeah we'll just go through it uh cory this is your first time seeing it you bought it what did you think I, i've talked enough i did uh i mean i i i really like documentaries so i mean i i have 
the two or what is there three in search of darkness now i've got the in search mm-hmm. of tomorrow coming uh i just i like watching i like i'm not the like dad that's like i gotta watch this world war ii history documentary no I, i'm not very i'm very much not that yeah. but i do for for things that i do like so like i've watched uh documentaries on rush i've read documentaries about or i've not read documentaries i read biographies on like uh metallica and all that other stuff so i like very specific documentaries and biographies and autobiographies and stuff like that. But this movie, I was watching it. And again, this movie is about an hour and a half. And again, mm-hmm. it just flew by and, uh, I loved it. This movie is fantastic. It has a lot of good information in it. I was only, I watched it fully by itself. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I watched about a quarter of it with, uh, the commentary with, uh, the director and one of the producers, not yeah. Pat Contry, the other producer. Yeah, um, yeah, it's oh shit, Thomas. Uh, well, Kevin J. James and Thomas Cauliflower. It was those Raman. two. Yeah, yeah. Tom I was listening Kevin. to that one, and uh, they they brought up a good point where they're like, "There's just not there has there wasn't a documentary about a retro video game store owners." Right. Uh, they said they said specifically that there's or no, uh, that goes into the more the National Video Game Museum thing. But yeah, they were just like, yeah, uh, I think they spent like combined 3000 of their own dollars and they just went across country filming retro game stores and they're like mm-hmm. they looked at the footage and they were like hey we got a movie here so <laughs> yeah which well, i think is would, great uh, that's like guerrilla filmmaking a little bit yeah it's very it was i mean it was two guys making this doing like 10 jobs each uh cuz it does take a lot to make any type of movie and they were i definitely recommend the commentary um the, it's interesting that there's two commentary tracks and that each of them have the same person, or each of them have Kevin James on there, and uh, one of them's got Tom, and then the other one's got Patrick Conti. Con- is it Conti or Conti? Conti. Conti. Um, but uh, either are fine. Uh, Patrick Conti definitely he he doesn't have his tangents, but he he goes into long points. Um, I haven't watched that one in a while. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't watched it with that on in a while, but I do remember enjoying that as well as the, but uh, I mean, I, I like commentaries where it's the people that made the stuff, not sometimes when the actor, if it's a movie and the actors are on it too, that's nice, but only to add like actual charismatic discussion more than anything. But otherwise I will will... (laughs) go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that the movie is very somber. Like it's a very like. That's probably You're why like, I like it too. It's I mean, it's true. realistic because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, especially at the end, like we're like you said, we're just gonna jump around with this. There's yeah. not really like we're gonna go scene by scene or anything like that. No. Uh, but at the end, mm-hmm. like you, it, it gives you the rundown on like some of the stores that have closed. Yeah, and you're just it's like, sad. that's the reality of it. Like that's just how it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's really bittersweet. It's really cool to see that there are people still out there thriving. The one guy, what was his name? Uh, the owner of Game Zone. With that is Corky the Neil. Dog. Uh, I wrote it down. I could listen go. to him all day. I could um, listen to him talk about the weather. Like the dude has like a very Manhattan accent. Like because yeah. his store is situated in Salem, which is awesome. And uh, but and he's got just yeah. I can't even do it. I can't do impressions though at all. No. Um, uh, but his story, like the little bit that we got of like his backstory with his wife and how she passed away and all that stuff. I was just like, I could see and, and in the commentary track too. the director's just like, he's really good friends with Neil. 
And that's Neil is basically kind of like that's why Neil's in the beginning of it. It's because it's like he's kind of like the face of it for a while. Yeah, because they could have just do like a four hour documentary on Neil. <laughs> yeah, they mentioned that because uh, there are there's uh, about four hours of footage. Uh, oh, that was with Frank Cafaldi, but also with Neil, because uh, I did jot down some notes here that they could have done a documentary or, or like a movie of just him because he I don't know how far you got into the documentary, but this guy started in he's been in the uh, business forever and like he's watched the rise and decline of it but he started as uh working in a security supply group yeah like they, yeah so which is nuts and um the story i wrote down here that they mentioned in the commentary was that this guy got the idea for a video game store when he overheard people saying ah mario tapes are sold out we need more and so yep. he literally drove down the road to a big box place bought copies of mario brought it back and he's like why don't i just uh lease like rent lease these out to you or whatever it was uh sub, yeah, like sub sublet them <laughs> sublet them yeah um which is hilarious and it's like oh well, that right there is a sign like he, he's a businessman. He knows what he's, he's doing smart. immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really interesting. And yeah, and he's got a great little dog that looks like a little puppet mop thing called Corky. It looks like Wookiee. It looks like yeah. a Wookiee. From yeah. Star Wars. It looks like, like the uh, just a, a well, tiny little Wookiee dog. Um, there's a part in the movie where he's explaining like that his story used to be a jeweler store before like it used to be a jeweler and he's just mm -hmm. like yeah the guy died right here eating his lunch and i was just like that's an awesome story yeah <laughs> it's like, and he's and like yeah the guy this is where used to work here he came right about here this corner here he i'm turning yeah. to jersey but it's like and he would eat bit. his he would eat his lunch and he'd have a window so he could see the stores or a reverse mirror. But he was, he died right here eating his sandwich. <laughs> and he's like he was yeah. like, and it was the UPS guy that came in and found him. And so he died right here where we keep the vacuum. <laughs> like, yeah, where I keep the vacuum. <laughs> like, I was just like, that's great. You can't teach that kind of storytelling. No, like, yeah, he, that's yeah. natural. I couldn't listen to him talk about anything. Yeah, I would and, buy and him it, dinner every night for him to tell me stories. It's great because like he, you're you're uh, you're you're engulfed in what he's saying, but he doesn't seem like he'd be a gamer or something like that. But you can definitely understand no. that he runs this store and understands um, the. I was gonna say the source material, but whatever. Um, but well, yeah, he brings we'll, up a good point. He brings mm -hmm. up a really good point where it's just like it's not about, you know, it's not always about the sales and all that stuff. And it's not about it's it's reconnecting that person on why they love it. It, it, it could necessarily not even be a good game. It could mm -hmm. be, I mean, Boogerman on Sega Genesis. But if oh, someone yeah. has if someone has like, oh, I played Boogerman with my cousin like growing up and like my cousin is no longer with me or anything anymore. And they're just like, I got to buy this game. He goes mm -hmm. that what makes it worth it. Yeah, he said, uh, I wrote down the quote here. He says, I really don't sell video games. I sell memories or your childhood back to you. Yeah, or childhood basically. Back or something like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the so Kevin J. James, he's from uh, Salem. He mentions in the commentary that where his house was, he could actually see Game Zone, like from his bedroom window. That's yeah. how close he was to this place and everything. So that's really cool. But yeah, the overall mood of it is very somber, is very calm, and it and it's... I'm I'm a sucker for small towns. So when it starts out in Salem, it's like every it's every um what is it? Northeastern uh uh New England. It's every New England city in yeah. a movie that's either a romantic comedy or 
or a horror movie. Almost Hocus Pocus. <laughs> almost the Disney yeah. movie Hocus Pocus, you know? Well, it doesn't, um, like, I think... Uh, I think that, that, is, get that into, does but... take place up there, actually. Hmm? I think, isn't Derry, like, Derry supposed to be a New England kind of place that takes place for the It movie? Oh, maybe. I you, that sounds It's a fake right. place. Derry doesn't exist, but it's. Right. I think it's supposed to be up in that area where Stephen King always creates his worlds and all that stuff so yeah but like this guy i mean we're gonna we're not gonna talk about him all night but like he i would they they introduce him by showing that he had uh or he talks about how the store used to be called master the game but what that was was like uh was it a tip a hotline or something at one point or something i mean i think it was a catalog of like his inventory and stuff that you could order that's right because he he had it was a phone business he had a warehouse or something and people were like coming in to he had a full page ad in the back of eg and like pro gamer and stuff like that egm game informer and or yeah yeah game pro or something um game pro that's what it was and uh they found his old video and stuff like that and uh they didn't mention in the movie but in the commentary they say that he, he even like bought out commercial space for monday night raw wrestling like that's, that's how, when the ps2 that's got big yeah long around that's how long he's been in the thick of it, which is really, yeah, he said, P- really apparently cool. the PS2 tripled his sales. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so it's very interesting and very cool that they started with that, not just because of his story, but also because he, the, one of the creators of this film is from that town and everything. Um, and, uh, it, Rachel and I plan on going up there at some point, like specifically not like around Halloween though. Cause I'm sure that's just insane. Uh, it'd yeah. be like trying to go to New York on New Year's Eve or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you go up there and I'll go down south to the National Video Game Museum. So, OK, sounds good. We'll cover all grounds and then we'll make our documentary. Um, yeah, but uh, for resale. <laughs> yes. Yes. Never mind the fact like uh, Rachel kept saying, like, you know, never mind the fact that Salem, I don't think people really understand what they're celebrating when they're like, oh boy, Salem, historic. Like, yeah. yes, lots of people Murders. were burned to death, <laughs> like incorrectly trial. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, we're having different beliefs against religion. So, <laughs> yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about some video games. So, uh, right. what other parts of this did you like? Like, they hopped around different stores. There's actually also on the, on the, uh, documentary's website. I don't know if you looked at it or not, Corey, but they have a map uh, of the places they went to. Also. Oh, I didn't look at that. What so. is it? GameStoreDoc.com? Is that it, what it's called? You, boy, you better believe that I would know that. Uh, GameStoreDoc.com. Yes. Hey, yeah, yeah, I was right. Um, I remember. I'll probably throw from... that in the description so people can see it too, but... Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I liked, uh, and they talk about it in the commentaries, the whole reason that the segment's even in the in, even in the movie, is I like that guy that was in... When they start talking about, like... I live in a very in-the-woods area. Like, I have internet. I'm able to yeah. stream. I'm <laughs> able to do my podcast and all that. But I understand there's a guy, it's called Game Freak something. Game Freak Games or something like Ooh. that in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, that was and, Control uh, Freak. I think control freak. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but he has a setup area because where he lives, he doesn't have high speed internet. Right. Like, so what he did was he created an area where if people bought a system that needed a, a firmware update or something like that, it's just, you can walk in, hook up your system, update it, use the Wi-Fi, and then you can go be on your way. And yeah. I was like, God, that's like, he didn't have to do that. He doesn't charge for that service. Like he's just no. like, Hey, I know that it's shitty. So I'm going to help people out. So I really yeah. like that. Uh, I worked at a place that I, was like that, that had like, it was not 
the highest uh wait i forget is blue collar the factory working you know hard workers yeah blue blue, yeah blue I, all i remember is the stick song i'd be a blue collar man that's all gotcha. i know so. a salesman um anyway <laughs> that's rush yeah, i know <laughs> uh the uh no the first town i worked at a GameStop in was very blue collar and we're talking like yeah people were mad that we couldn't take their food stamps to buy games and shit so um yeah or we had a you guy know, that was an eBay, an eBay reseller that we wouldn't sell him stuff sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, I've, I've encountered one of those throughout the store, or the same guy throughout different stores I've worked at. Not even, like, close to each other, like, almost an hour from each other, but that's what he does. The but problem anyway, was the like guy the, was likable. Oh, yeah, same with this guy. Yeah, but so, anyway, what I'm saying is, is like, yeah, the U.S., just because we're the U.S. doesn't mean our internet's fantastic everywhere. So, like, we we did not we wouldn't let it be a common thing like this guy because realistically we could not do that in the in a GameStop. you just can't like you need yeah. because people are trading things in more often and we need the tv that they needed to use to do something online we need yeah. that to like test out and continue also if you set supplies. that up your regional will be like what the hell is this when he walked oh yeah in, that would so. not be no they wouldn't let that at all unless they knew the person or something um unless you charge so, for it but it was also, but the thing with that too was like the dumbest thing in the world was also when the DS models would come out and people would trade in their DS to transfer everything from one to the new one they just bought after trading in their old one. Because, you know, by the standard, we had to wipe the console clean before we right. ship it out to get fully uh, right. the, once over, the the more detailed once over. Um, yeah, so we would, we would let people do that if they were reasonable. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's, a cool idea and uh it makes sense you know they got to hang out there and do whatever and also yeah that was this was you know day one the xbox one i think was the first console that required internet to progress at all to like do anything well this is the this is the guy with the golden plated xbox one s so (laughs) gold plated seven hundred dollars jesus christ yeah Um, crazy uh i like that there was another one. Uh, I really liked the information about the National Video Game Museum. I didn't know that it was like a traveling thing at first. Mm-hmm. And knowing that it's only like six hours away from me is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. definitely going to have to make a trip down there because, I mean, it's not just to be like, I've seen video game, quote unquote, museums before where it's just like, here's the stuff laid out on a table. But no, the video mm-hmm. game, the National Video Game Museum has like, recreations of rooms from the 80s and the 90s where you can sit down and like experience how we grew up yeah. and all that stuff and it's just like it's getting to a point where i mean especially i mean every year more and more like i guess this is a part of getting old like getting older and these are the things we love and people are just like you sound like you don't want to be the crotchety old man but you kind of mm-hmm. are you're just like i mean Back in my day, you know, you if you bought a game, you either loved it or you hate it and you stuck with it. Like, because right. that's all you got. You got them on your birthday and your and Christmas until you were able to make your own money. Yeah. So if you could convince your parents to let you rent stuff, you know, that was maybe five mm-hmm. bucks or four bucks. But you made the my parents m- use that as an incentive that. for me to get good grades. Yeah. It's just so. that's a that's a different world now because you don't sometimes you'll have demos and i don't understand well i do and don't understand why more games have demos that basically fizzled out uh i think 360 ps3 was the last time consistently there were demos for games 
you uh, get them here and there. Like you get the what yeah. was the new Final Fantasy Stranger Strangers of Chaos or whatever Stranger Paradise. You get Monster Hunter usually does them and stuff like that. But it's not I'm like surprised the new Kirby game has a demo on the Switch. I would, I'm legit surprised that a first party Nintendo game would have a demo. I like it uh, when the demos roll over into the real yeah. game too. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good idea. But I miss the age of demo discs, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Try I'm collecting those now. <laughs> I I learned um that I own most of the U.S. released Saturn demo discs. I've probably mentioned this to you before, Surprise. or you've heard it a thousand <laughs> times over. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it was like that was that was the era when you would get a demo disc with the console. If not yeah. with the Saturn, you would get a three pack. Um, and I, I think that's kind of cheap in the value of these games to me at first, because I you would get Daytona USA, Virtual Cop 2, no, maybe the first one, and Virtual Fighter 2. And it's like, oh, I guess these are like not the best games because they're packaging three games that each go for 50 bucks normally or something. But, um, but it's well, still all each demos. game. No, those are full games. That's you get oh, the full really? copy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is huh. uh you would get well that's a, when i got my saturn it was later in the um life cycle of it so i got one demo disc with it and then those three games as well and so right there gotcha. i had four games which is cool because i didn't have money to get what? any games yeah. um and so but then like that was the first uh it's called the bootleg sampler is that demo disc but i learned <laughs> but and then i got another one through the mail or something it was oh it, this was great um because it came in a envelope which was also a magazine ad but the envelope had a scratch and sniff thing and it's like scratch here to smell what's it called uh get a the smell of victory and you scratch it and it smells fucking horrible and you open it up yeah. and it's a dude's sweaty t-shirt the back of his sweaty Ew. shirt and then it's it's Sega Screams volume 1 or 2 or whatever so it's like yeah. being edgy in the 90s yeah. um i mean earthbound did that too earthbound had some scratch and sniff stuff oh i remember that they had it included in the certain edition or something right yeah stickers or something but no but i found out that there's only like 8 or 9 demo discs and i I found this out when I realized I own four or five of them. So I'm like, I could try to collect those. And that's, yeah. that's something uh, people would argue that those are sometimes more important than games. Cause they, you get the unfinished product on those, you know, but what I'm saying overall is like, that just doesn't exist now that, you know, yeah. the unfinished you're, you buy the unfinished product day one and then it gets passed, <laughs> but you know, or the DLC is what yeah, yeah you get the exactly. full game in the DLC. So, uh, I was gonna. What was I gonna say? I was gonna say something related to the demo discs and all that stuff. But oh, I wonder if that one guy, uh, the scene I saw, you were like, "Wait till you see this one scene. It'll be you'll you'll know it because you're like Scotty probably changed his pants here." I wonder if that guy that traded in his entire Sega Saturn collection had those demo discs, dude. Yeah. Oh, we we figured it out. We paused it and looked at like we counted how many there were, um, uh-huh. and we let me see here. There, oh, I didn't, I don't have the grand total here. That's stupid. So, okay, let me add these up. 76, 90, 78. Give me a second. 76 plus 90 plus 78. 244, sorry, 245 because the Knights game was with the controller. So 245 Sega Saturn games, which is not the whole library because there's like almost 800 because this was the era where there were like five different baseball franchises you know football hockey whatever 
and and also every movie, every licensed thing, there were way more licensed games because this was when CDs were cheap to make games on. So they were yeah. shitting them out. Like this, you know, people talk about the Wii shovelware. No, PS1 and Saturn era, there was tons of crap that you don't well, think are, you know, you just don't realize like, oh yeah, of course there's a Jurassic Park Lost World. Oh yeah, of course there's a Casper live action <laughs> game, you know? <laughs> Well, the thing is, too, like, I think he said, I mean, back this movie was filmed back in, like, 2018. Right. And uh, yeah. he said the his collection was worth uh, anywhere from, like, ten to 12000 And I think he ended up, set, like, I think they agreed on, like, a six to 7000 like, somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, the guy was uh, getting, what's married, funny is, getting married and buying a house, I think, is what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny is the, that scene was they weren't originally going to get that captured. But the mm-hmm. owner, what was the owner of that game? Uh, it was uh, uh, that was Digital Press, Joe Digital Santoli. Press. Yeah, Joe Santoli was like, "Hey, if you guys wait a day to show up, this a regular is coming in to trade in his Sega Saturn collection or to sell it, and it's going to be really good footage for your movie." Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Sure, okay, yeah. what's a lifetime chance?" Like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you watched the commentary for this too, so that I'm not just that's as far as I got. So. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm I'm glad you caught that too, though. Yeah, when that, I mean, I did not buy that knowing this would be in here. Or I mean, I didn't buy this or like, I was in interested in this documentary already. But when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> and it was very early in the movie. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you're not paying attention, and I just love, I know this is so biased of me, but I just love how clean the Saturn game box art is, like the white and gray. Good. It just makes yeah. the art of the actual games pop a lot more. Yeah. And like, like I miss, I like I think PS1 I, long boxes too. Those ones are good. Uh, I, I like the Saturn. I like um, the N64 is kind of in that same realm because of the yellow and the red and blue. That was just, it. I just, I guess I like well. vibrant designs is what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause it's like, like I you're kinda, from, you love the nineties. So <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I never really dug how original Xbox games looked. Cause it was just that dark, almost grimy green. And not to insult, Sickly but like green. that's the shade of it, kind of, you know. Um, I mean, that's just what it is. So yeah, it's edgy. So I think I think that I feel like I feel like aside from the PS One going with the darker black bumper and um, regular cases, I feel like the Xbox was the first one with their box art that was trying to say like we're not bright and colorful, we're dark and grungy colors, you know. So we're for the I mean that, that's crowd. I mean it makes sense. Yeah. That's what uh they were trying to be the edgier console. So right, right, with an X spelled with an X somehow. Um, the sex box, <laughs> telling me. Uh, but the yeah, so that was uh, I did like what they they mentioned. Oh, you you started to say like this guy got like uh, I think six or eight thousand bucks for his collection. That is how much a dozen of those games would go for now or something insane. So that is interesting. I, I, I got this right when it came out. So it was just before lockdown and the pandemic and the Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. sorry, went on tour or whatever. Uh, but you've been watching the, uh, game, bro. <laughs> no, I only know that from you. I only know that from you. Um, but it's interesting. It was really interesting to watch that then. And then now watching it, it's like, Oh my gosh, these, and like some of the games they're showing at conventions. Cause they, they talk about a convention that I do really want to go to the Portland. Is it Portland gaming, Portland gaming, uh, Portland That's retro a, gaming convention. Yeah. Or something like that. That looks great. And it looks like that. I, th- I feel like 
either in here or outside of here, but talking about this dock or something, I, I've heard that I think that's one of the older retro conventions in the yeah. country or something. Um, actually, I think the completionist TJ goes up there a lot. That. Okay. Um, but it was cool that they, you know, they... So this, this documentary also brings up PAX East because PAX East has just been taken over by indie games. And they also talk yeah. about the Portland retro show as well. Um, Blazing but, Chrome was in there. I, yeah, I, like that I, I was I was wondering if you were going to catch that because they don't interview anybody associated to it or focus on it, but it is in the background right. uh, and on and on. Um, it's a very good Contra S game. Yeah, but they talk about I mean, this was great because like shortly before this, I learned of the game Horizon Chase Turbo, which I love. It's a yeah. racing game, very clearly inspired very by like Outrun. And um, what's the other uh, the rally SNES game. I can't remember the name of, but, um, uh, or top gear top gear is what I'm thinking of top gear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a very cool racing game, but they interviewed, uh, the dev team for that. Um, uh, what was uh, it? Floor kids, which was like a break, but I have not heard about that outside. First time I ever heard about it was in this movie. Yeah. So I wonder if, if they didn't, I, I could, I could look it up, but instead I'm just sitting here. Um, I wonder if it's a fighting game. (laughs) Yeah. Breakdancing fighting game. I wonder if it had much success outside of, of, um, you know, maybe the release or whatever, but they had cool arcade caps set up to play it. Uh, and they had, uh, what else was there? Um, I thought there was another game and I can't remember now because I didn't write it down, but no, it was just showing like, really like I've gone to PAX East since the first year in 2010 and I went for a solid five years. I went over to PAX West once um, but PAX East definitely like it went from like not knowing what it was supposed to be to like Ubisoft showing Assassin's Creed and like everyone yeah. in my group of friends were like, why are we going to stand in line to play Assassin's Creed when it's out in like three weeks? And we all work at GameStop, so it's already been shoved down our throats anyway. Yeah, like, there'll be okay, a, a used copy us. coming in the same yeah. day. So <laughs> but like but also but I'll never forget one of the one of one of the what the fuck moments in the indie place was before uh crypt of the necro dancer was out because we saw ddr pads hooked up to a computer monitor on a game that looked like zelda and we were all like uh what is this and why am i thinking about buying a ddr mat now you know like (laughs) um yeah so i've been to packs like that oh you have i've been to one packs i've been to packs south gotcha Uh, gotcha when i when i lived in austin It does not. I went there once, and because I did not know how bad the traffic was going to be, it took me, usually the drive from Austin to San Antonio is like 30 minutes. It took mm-hmm. me an hour and a half to get to San Antonio, and when I got there, the whole floor was closed, and I was only there for the concerts. So I got to Jesus. see the Proto Men. I got to see the Proto Men, and wow. I think Bit Brigade, and then another, uh, it was like an orchestra kind of uh, yeah. music band. I can't remember what it was, but it was really good. Orchestra, it was my first probably. time ever. Uh, I don't know. BGO. No, it was no, a video game. Oh. It it was not not that big, so. Okay. <laughs> uh, but they played and then or something. I don't know. Yeah, and then Bit Brigade and then uh, Proto Men played. So that was my nice. first time seeing the Proto Men live, and it was fun. Yeah, that was I was spoiled along with most of my friends seeing Proto Men at Paxis for the first time with projector screens and like the size of a stage that that band needs with nine members yeah. and stuff you know um, well i was when i was walking to the musical auditorium i just happened to turn around and then there was uh the guy that plays kilgore and one of the lead guitarists standing right behind me so i just mm-hmm. started talking to him so nice. <laughs> and they were pretty cool <laughs> yeah all very cool people from nashville um i'm sorry the future <laughs> but uh <laughs> 
the <laughs> distant whatever. future of the Nashville. <laughs> yeah, twenty XX Nashville twenty yep. XX. Um, no, but they they you know they show stuff with PAX because they show like the indie scene how that has really taken over PAX, which is very cool. Um, and, Which is they're saying that's the whole digital thing is like digital yeah. allows these people to get their games out for, you know, not the 50 to $60 game range right. that's been the same thing since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're just like, oh, this game's like 15, 20 bucks. I mean, I made it in my house in my basement with like they were talking about the size of dev teams, like some dev teams are like four people. Like (laughs) you got an artist, you got a code, like one person that codes half a person that codes and does like promotional stuff. And then you got the musical guy. So yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it just talks about how like no production costs. So it's a lot more viable. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they talk about rocket league with how that's how they started. And, and it, it, if you tell someone that rocket league is in this documentary, they're like, what, why? But, when you actually watch it though it's like no this this does make sense because they're kind of the roundabout example of how you know they only there's that's the only place they would have survived like on like PSN and um uh, I mean PC their first game first. didn't do it because of the exposure no. that they didn't get yeah which i loved and solely downloaded the because name? of the name supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars that's um, what it is. Yeah. I'm in, glad they did not keep that name. Yeah. So. <laughs> in in another, uh, you can listen to the theme song though, which is just fucking hair metal bullshit. And it's great. It's in rocket league is one of the, one of the nice. anthems or whatever. But, um, the, uh, in another documentary, they talk about the inspiration for that name came from all the dumb bits on Conan O'Brien's late night show where they would have the <laughs> obnoxiously long names for things that were out on yeah. stage for two and a half seconds um so yeah good stuff but no it talks about them because like they started digital they broke all kinds of records on the playstation network because they were free day one and then but you know they're still updating that game consistently which i i said to rachel i'm like that's gotta be like um the best and worst like so bittersweet because they can't make any other games because they have to support their best game which is right now the only game they've made i think um as psionics anyway most notable at least yeah yeah but like so um but all but but it's all but it's also cool because they got so they did so well that they earned a physical release and now they can yep. see that on store shelves and that to them is like their trophy like they, i mean they I go through their, their trophy that. area yeah i i mean i i got it free day one and then I bought DLC for it to support them directly. And then as soon as I learned of the physical copy, I grabbed that just because it's one of my favorite games and it is not going to always be online. GameStop so. probably has it. So I don't think it's oh, yeah. like hard to find. No, you can you can find it. Um, but it was uh, very cool to see them and how like that is their trophy, even though it was the cameras like going through the game awards yeah they're like these trophies don't really matter it's this one like just having it on the shelf of a retro store right which i thought was really cool Um, i like that one of the creators said like the first game that he used his uh, like he saved up to buy as a kid was donkey kong on the atari and it was too hard and he got upset and cried (laughs) right oh boy that's how it was Um, well that's another thing too that frank uh what's his name uh frank cafaldi is like we live in a world where kids are everything is algorithm and tailored yes. to their liking. So yes. it's not like they get to experience they, they don't get to watch or play or listen or uh basically do anything they don't want to do. Right. And we grew up like completely opposite. Like 
it's just like oh like we said you're gonna play a game that you're like this game you gotta experience like why this game isn't for you yeah and uh yeah yeah it, friend's it, gonna make you like, be player two in this game you hate immediately and stuff yeah know? it's just like <laughs> oh i was like i wasn't luigi growing up but like if right. i was the younger brother it's just like oh as an adult i play luigi because that's what i was growing up so right 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 uh but one of the the icons that's or the one of the images that stick out to me in the movie is they're showing like little kids on their iPads and they're just yeah. glued to that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just boom. And I'm just like, oh, man, that's uh, and it's Frank that says, too, it's just like, I don't want to be like the old man, but it really is like. It's tough, like to be the old, the aging uh, generation to see that. And like kids aren't kids don't they don't. They don't value the uh, the tangible item like we no. do. No, yeah, not at and all. Yeah, I, I didn't know either that he worked on the Mega Man Legacy Collection and yeah. the uh, Disney Afternoon Collection as well. Yeah, with the he was part of he worked for Digital Eclipse, which is really really cool. Um, so he's, slap he's, he's done actually. I loved his introduction though. He was like, "I did the UI so, for Mega Man Le- Legacy. Sorry, it's not better, but anyway." Yeah, you know? <laughs> I was like, "It was a good game. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not bad." I mean, UI is important, uh, especially for collections, because you're going to be spending a lot of time in menus and stuff. But, but no, it's still it's cool that you know he's been on different sides of it, so it's not. But now he's the, in the national or he's National Video Game Foundation. Is that what it is? the the video game foundation um which is a non and yeah they're um they have a traveling kind of museum thing and stuff and they just recently kelsey uh pink gorilla like joined their forces and basically said you need merch like that is how you will pro- uh, make, make money yeah that's how you will fund most of your things like make t-shirts people will buy them you know stuff like yeah. that um well, they're we the ones who every too. purchase that you Everything you buy on limited run games, you can donate a dollar to them. And yeah. for when Scott Pilgrim uh, got released through limited run games, they raised like a couple thousand dollars in the first 24 hours for them yeah. through those sales. They so. got to every time I buy something from limited run, I always make sure to tick that box because I always yeah, give it's it a to buck. them. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like when I buy stuff and they're like, do you want to give them money for St. Jude? I'm like, well, I don't want to be an asshole. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, here's a dollar. So. Uh, oh, you don't let but, me pull that sandwich out of that child's mouth. You know, that, that yeah. uh, South Park skit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? But yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I just like the movie overall. And like, I, I, I'm not very familiar. Like, I don't watch Pat Contry stuff. I've never like I've watched uh, the episode where a couple episodes where he's been on the uh, angry video game nerd or something like that. Yeah, uh, I don't listen. What is it? He has the the, the cup Completely podcast. unnecessary podcast. Yeah, I don't I don't listen to his podcast either, but I, I mean, I kinda, he's not a you he's like I don't I appreciate his opinions on stuff and cuz he's he's an intelligent guy and he knows what he's talking about. He's he's written a couple books on collecting for the NES and now the SNES. Oh, I, I think ha- he's I have doing his an NES and SNES. Yeah, I have his um, books, the the NES uh basically what is it like the entire history of like all the NES games, all the Super Nintendo yeah. games. But he's kind uh, of I even met him in too many games. I yeah, so did I. I got I got him and a couple other people to sign uh the manual for the ET game because I'm putting <laughs> together a shadow box for the angry video game nerd movie. Um right. and which they talk uh, about in the in this movie is the ET cartridge. Yeah, stuff like that. Um but the um he has become one of those people along with James Rolfe that like I don't care for Pat Country's main like where he's the NES punk. 
where he's acting, yeah. so to speak. It's I shtick. enjoy the stuff outside of that, which also is gradually becoming the same with Angry Video Game Nerd. Like, I'm enjoying, like, his movie stuff and his... Uh, yeah, his um, normal life stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, his opinions on new movies, old movies, the Monster Madness is always great. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, I I like both of their stuff outside of what they're known for, pretty much. Yeah, um, basically. Which is funny to me. Uh, but they... Um, they, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, did you see that the SNES CD is in there for like a split second? Yeah. Didn't you play that? Yes. I made a timestamp yeah. of it at, at 59 minutes and 55 seconds in this movie. Is they the have SNES just CD. kids playing it. Yeah. Dude, that thing is under glass now, and I still can't get over the fact that I played it like it was fucking just somebody else's Model 2 Genesis laying around. Like, and I played that, I played Street Fighter on that thing, but now it's, I, it's either in the Smithsonian or it's like touring or something, I don't remember. Um, it's definitely probably in the National Video Game Museum. Yeah, but that that's just crazy to me. They don't even bring it up. Like, they don't even, like, address it, but it's, I, it's cool that it's in there for, like, a, a flash in the pan. Yeah, it's there, just but... kids playing it. Like, I was just like, what the fuck? Don't let them touch that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, for those that don't know, the SNES CD is something where Sony and Nintendo joined forces for a brief moment, and Sony actually made a working console that was the Nintendo PlayStation. Um, and it is just, it's just a SNES with a CD drive. The CD drive, I think it can play music CDs, but there were no, uh, no, I'm sorry, there were prototypes made that nobody really yeah. has. Well, there's a, um, uh, but you can't play cartridges too. on it. Uh huh. There's a disc drive for the N64 as well. It was only in Japan. Oh, that's very different from the SNES CD because that's CDs though. The disc drive is like Nintendo's discs. Those fly. Uh, oh, really? Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know anything about video games. So, uh oh, are you a fake? Are you a fake? Fraud detected. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to sell people bathwater, but so uh, I thought it might be fun to kind of mention, like you know the stores that are still around, what ones we'd want to yeah, go sure. to maybe. Um, we forgot, or not we forgot, but we didn't mention the family-run store of uh, Game Junkie, which is yeah. a, an amazing story of this dude selling games out of a shed in his backyard first. Yeah. Like getting the cops caught just, on them and then just still doing it anyway. Yeah, I mean, he was basically, he and like he had a full ride for full disability too because he had hurt his right. back in a car accident and all that stuff. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna open up a video game store. And I'm going to employ my father. <laughs> well, I think like he it, the way that it they made it sound is he could either go on disability or open the store because I don't know. Yeah, because you can't have you can't have a full fledged business and be on full disability. So. Right. Yeah. So which I could understand you could. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. As logical as that sound, I can sounds I can definitely understand it. Um, he probably but, could have cheated the system if he did if he did some shady stuff. But I'm glad oh, he did. Sure. So. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, no, that store I do want to go to. That one's in Jersey or around Jersey or Glendale. I forget. Well, most uh, of these are in your area, so have fun. So. As well, and and Seattle and stuff. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to. I that. got the Nashville one. That's about it. Right. Uh, yeah, classic game junkie or game junkie. I'm not sure. That's the one I have in my notes here. The kind of family that wouldn't have a problem telling you to fuck right off. <laughs> I mean, out of all of these, I think uh, I think Game Zone with Neil is the one I would have to go to. Yes, 100 percent. I would have to like I'd have to make sure that Neil was there that day because I would Mm want to meet him. So, oh, yeah. Well, I think and 
you know, Rachel watched this with me both times I've seen it. She was like, is he the only one working there? I'm like, no, I think I saw a dude in the bag running the register every now and again. Yeah. Uh, well, he's not because he's always at the end of it. It says like him and his new. Well, now I think they got married. So his new wife, uh, they're always out skiing in, in their RV with their dogs and all that yeah. stuff. So, mm-hmm. but that's the life. Did... So they go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, I just said we did look up like of the ones that they mentioned that. Uh, you know, at the end of it, it does say that some places were closed and stuff. So we did go through and found out Game Junkie is still open. That's one of the, the cool family. Uh, Lost Ark is a store that's still open. Uh, Digital that's in Press. North Carolina. Okay. Uh, Digital Press is still open. That's the one that got the huge um, Saturn collection. And also... And the copy of Chrono the, Trigger. Yeah. They are also the founders of the National Video Game Museum in Texas. Um, yes. They're still Frisco open. Frisco and then a uh, thrill house which is a great name i love yeah the story not, on that is just the the yeah the story behind it is great but that does not say like oh they sell video games at all which no i mean the story that. is that for people that for people that don't know it's the simpsons episode where it's the uh bone storm it's where yeah, yeah. but it's like i this game's awesome and i've only ever put my name in and millhouse it says thrill ho so <laughs> oh i thought it said thrill house entirely no it cuts his name off so it just says thrill ho oh, so... <laughs> nice. Okay. nice 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 yeah um so yeah i mean it would be awesome i've always i've kind of wanted to always do this like before this documentary was a thing as i've kind of wanted to just like go on a retro game store tour well you got the not? map now so <laughs> yeah let me just uh call off two months <laughs> no you got enough pto all right so <laughs> yeah no the it is cool if you go to the site though they have a map uh there's a couple oh no pink gorilla is the only one up in seattle yeah there's luna video games is over near la or i'm sorry san diego um but yeah they have people play games up in chicago chicago's got there a was ton one of places there was one in Lincoln, Nebraska that we stopped at on the way home when we were okay. coming back from Seattle. And I can't remember what the name of the store was, but they had a bunch of that's where we bought all those Disney VHSs. Like we bought a bunch of those. Uh they had like some uh they had some of the uh strategy guys for the PC games I used to play, like the old school Prima ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they had a lot of cool stuff there. Nice. Uh just they didn't have the AC on and I was dying. So Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at uh since I am going to PAX East soon, I'm looking to see how close Game Zone is because it's that's the closest one to Boston. Uh, Boston. Uh, yeah. Well, let's see first. Uh, how you gotta far get the clam chowder. Say it right, Frenchie. <laughs> I mean, the only uh, yeah. Hey, okay. Game Zone's only nine hours and forty three minutes. Uh, Fuck PAX. So that's yeah. <laughs> no problem. No, but you definitely need to plan that with Rachel because from... Salem. Salem would be pretty cool, I think. Whoa, it's half an hour from the Boston Convention Center. Oh, shit. I don't have extra I bet time you, I bet you, there. you could talk Chris and both Chris's into to go in there. So, damn, I did not realize. Yeah, maybe we'll say fuck it like the first day of PAX and just go up to Game Zone. Um, you should. You definitely should. And FaceTime me. So. All right. <laughs> I'll FaceTime and you. And you better, Neil better be there. He, so. I'll just set the phone in front of Corky. No, what you need to do is uh, pay him 20 bucks to do a cameo and cameo. be like, yeah, and be like, hey, Corey, how's it going? Too bad you're not here, there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is where he died. Yeah, this uh, is yeah. where I got my vacuum. <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, 
Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in this. Uh, the documentary is a lot of fun, too, because you just learn about the process. It. Um, and support yeah. it. It's only 30 bucks for the Blu-ray. Okay, so here's the thing. If you don't want to spend 30 bucks on the Blu-ray, because the Blu-ray is Blu-ray and digital copy, uh, you can spend, I believe, like $9 and get the digital copy on the website, which is GameStoreDoc.com. Right. I had to make sure to say it right. Woof. Uh, uh, but no, I bought this. Scotty was like, this is what we're going to watch. So I was like, I'll buy it. And I just bought it. And I'm really glad that I did, because uh, after the podcast, I'm probably going to watch the rest of the commentary track or at least have it on in the background while I finish up some stuff. So nice. Yeah, cool. I was trying to find I can't even find the how do you purchase it. Oh, and I got my copy. I got my copy of Chef in, too. So oh, cool. <laughs> so it's everything's, just everything's coming up. Thrill House. Uh, everything's coming up through a hose. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but no, I highly, I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to just watch the movie. Like we're, we've yeah. already hit like some of the key points, like uh, the really cool stuff. Like we said, it is bittersweet. It's a little somber, uh, but it's really good. It's somber in a good way. And, uh, highly recommend like I, out of all the movies that we actually have watched, this is probably one that I will like, it has the most rewatchability for me. Oh, for so. sure, especially if you are a collector, because you'll find stuff in the background and you'll think like, man, the pandemic mm -hmm. uh, collecting bubble that's not going to ever pop, people. It's just going to fizzle a little bit here and there. Oh, but, um, even more. it's the worst it's been in a long time. Yeah, but like, uh, but you'll, you know, oh, there was another thing in the commentary, a couple of things in the commentary, actually, I'll point out real quick here. One of them, there was footage they didn't use in this uh revolving yes. around arcades that actually is in the midway the company midway that's now defunct became most of them became uh nether nether realm made the mortal Kombat game still yep um their documentary is called insert coin which is i also very much recommend very good documentary um that uh has footage that's from this in the arcade called pinball wizard in Bellum, new hampshire but that's pretty cool they mentioned that um yeah because it's just the footage didn't fit this movie yeah they could have they, and they talk about that in the commentary like they were wrestling like with people were telling them i'll just make a make a uh a documentary Retro. about you know just video games they're like no that's our that would be a lifetime a lifelong like yeah you know, that's not a short, well, also like, it's yeah. yeah, it's against the mythos or not mythos, but it's against like the motto of what we're doing. This is supposed to be about right. retro video game stores. There's so many other ones out there that are just rinse and repeating the same fucking information now. Uh, but um, the the Stancheck family at Game Junkie, it was funny when they were going through that in the documentary. One of the guys said that he got a call from uh, the owner. He's like, man, I wish you guys would come back. I've lost 30 pounds since you were here last <laughs> <laughs> film me again um, i'd look a lot better yeah yeah and uh the one thing that i was like fucking right i've been there was uh the director uh the the, the second producer was saying like um i know the director was saying like after they were done filming four or five hours they'd hang out in the store that cat all right he's just That's, relaxing cats are weird. <laughs> um but the um uh director was saying after we were done filming each place, my eyes would just gloss over because I would try to look at the store, but uh, there's just so much. And yeah. kept thinking, like, I want to get a souvenir from each place and whatever. And 
the producer Tom was like, yeah, you wanted to get Silent Hill 2, and we saw it in the first store, but you're like, nah, I'll pick it up somewhere else. And then we didn't see it for three weeks, another <laughs> yeah. three weeks while shooting. I was like, oh, my Burning Rangers story, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that, because that's my white whale. But he did eventually get it, and I'm like, oh, man, that thing's not cheap now, so good that you grabbed it then. Um, right. So, yeah, it's just, it's a really cool documentary about things that, thing that I'm very passionate about and in a perfect world, I would just open a retro game store. And if I had the money, I mean, and I, that's not to say like, I have a game collection. I can just sell my collection. That's not really how it works. Um, no, I mean, if anybody could do that, Antichrist would be the one that would could start with his collection and start selling it. So. Yeah. Right. Or Chris Powell, as he finds more things he doesn't know he owns. Um, yeah. but, uh, let's see here. I'm looking at the bonus notes I have for us. Um, the do 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 oh dave dave hey rocket league at the time of filming this that was right when epic bought psionics they were saying so that's kind of crazy gotcha uh it hadn't become public until a little bit later on but um it was just nuts to think about that uh and that's really it because all the other bonus notes i had um we're kind of, we kind of mentioned throughout. Oh, well, the two main producers of this, they said they got the idea from working on a reality show called Angels Among Us, not related you to You wrote Angles. I did? <laughs> you wrote oh, Angles. Well. <laughs> angles Among Us. It's a show about math and triangles. Um, but they were killing time, and they, you know, they were kind of stuck up their film. Not stuck, but you don't really like leave the location. Months. And um, so throughout the downtime members of the cast and crew would like go rent or buy retro games and just keep that was like their form of entertainment. And that kind of right. was the spark, the catalyst of this idea. So it was really cool that they molded it into this. I like it. I enjoy it. It's yeah. a very good movie. Man, I could watch. I almost watched it three times, but I lost track of time and was like, ah, let's I don't want to watch. Yeah. Wanna three times. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, try, I'm just double checking my notes. I don't think we really have, I have anything else really, but it's good. Obviously, I recommend it. Um, definitely one of the better documentaries out there because there are so many. I'm sure, like, people listening might be like, "Oh, you got you should watch." Um, is it called Game Over? The one that's on Netflix. That one is a fucking yeah. Joke. Or no, High Score. Yeah. Sorry, it's called High Score. Uh, I'm What's sure. What's the one that is that the multiple episode Over. one? Yeah. That one is like the production value is high, but they gloss over so much. And there's a couple episodes that are okay, like uh, the the one where it talks about the what is it the F unit or whatever it is. Yeah, the and, first uh, uh, multiple, the first switchable cartridge based console. Yeah, is that really basically cool. is the reason that video games like the NES and the Super Nintendo and Genesis all exist. Yeah, I and, didn't know uh, about that. So that that was one thing I learned yeah. from that. But but otherwise, it's it just it. The way it talked about Doom and um, not Romero. That was the one I stopped on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it talks about John Romero and what what is the other guy's name? Uh, I cannot remember. I can't uh, remember. Uh, yeah, if you wouldn't have asked me, I'd have been able to tell you. Probably. Um, but he, like, the, it in, in one, in the episode about that or revolving around that, it mentions how, like, you know, John Romero went home, but the other... Uh, dev stayed in the office overnight and was able to create 
you know, PVP, person versus person online gaming. And I'm like, yeah, because he's a fucking rocket scientist that decided to make video games. The guy is a genius, but they just yeah. made it sound like he stared at a monitor all night and figured out the Internet, essentially. You know, nah. um, it, it really bothered me how much they it's 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 for people that aren't gamers. I would honestly say like to get a very first episode's good. Game. Everything else kind of peters out. So, yeah, but no, but like there, there's the reason I mentioned that is because there's so many video game documentaries out there right now um yeah from people like trying to complete their collections to whatever else there are some good ones but this is one about retro stores that i cannot recommend enough and the midway one as well it's the only one about, about retro uh, stores <laughs> yeah so um yeah i think that's gonna do it for us uh we don't have another movie picked out yet and that's partially my fault because i have been i did watch in search of tomorrow but mm and there are movies from that I want to watch, but I didn't make a list. Um, yeah, and, I think the uh, theme will be a sci-fi. I think we'll do like a sci-fi month. Where we'll both pick like a sci-fi movie or something. Oh boy. So. I mean, that's basically been the first three months of this podcast, but <laughs> um, yeah, well, this is a dedicated month now. So, oh, okay. <laughs> well, we were kicking around the idea of maybe the last Starfighter, but we've already kind of covered that before. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I guess just pay attention. We'll, We'll definitely make sure to tease the next one since yeah. we didn't announce it. Uh, and what we're going to do, too, is um, switch up the schedule uh, because the Scrubbers yeah. podcast has now gone uh, to every other week. Um, yeah, so we it, it, it accidentally fell on the same week Completely. that we record this. So rather than do that, we're going to alternate. So you guys are going to get... Uh, those that listen consistently, thank you. We do see you and we appreciate you. Yes. Um, so you're going to get what's going to feel like a bonus episode next week, but then, but we're maintaining every other week following that. Um, yeah. Mainly so Corey and I don't go insane because we have stuff outside of podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so but yeah, everyone should. This. Yeah, yes, I give this 100%. five complete Saturn collections out of five. Um, I give it five Corkies out of five. So Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Rachel kept saying, like, that's one reason I'd open my own place, just so my I could have my dog there, you know? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, I'd have uh, a bodega cat, like, that you always see on the internet, so... <laughs> right. Yeah, there is a comic shop uh, in my hometown. Uh, when I go back there, they have a couple dogs that hang out in there. Um, and it's really... It's it's funny, because the, the dog just hangs out behind the counter, and he'll, like, look at me when I'm ready to buy a comic... And the owner will come around and I'll be like, I wasn't sure if he was helping me or not. And he, I remember the first <laughs> first time I made a dumb joke like that. He's like, yeah, he hasn't quite figured out thumbs yet, so it might take him a while. But... <laughs> so it's good when they can just roll with you, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. but yeah, I think that but the, yeah, that's going to do it. So like we said, sci fi stuff coming up. Um, if you guys have any recommendations, you know, um, by all means, let us know. Or if you watch any of this stuff, you know, tell us, tweet. Uh, Corey's getting attacked by a thing on his i lap. am pickles attacking and me right now attack of the pickles all right dump them um there it is so thank you though guys uh and as always remember if you're getting a little static don't touch that dial because you are right where you need to be you're in the static zone oh oh <laughs> god it sounds terrible uh we could probably throw a midnight song at the end of this since the the director's just out seeing the midnight Speaking clearly of digs them. One Good of taste today's of music. greatest marketing triumphs in the entertainment field is video games. It's a business which has tripled in size in just three years. Ron Hendren went out in the field to bring us this special report.
All over the country, armies of young people are blasting away at invaders from outer space and paying for the privilege. I'll be looking at the electronic game craze, which has not only fascinated the nation, but which has created some interesting problems as well. Although it looked innocent enough, this machine turned out to have some unusual powers. It kept kids mesmerized for hours. We are not a sentimental age. We don't want our parents' china or their ticker tape parades. We are not a sentimental age. We're all getting high on fire escapes. We are hooking up with strangers we will never see again. We are not a sentimental age. We are not a sentimental age. We are 
not a sentimental age. 